AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. for a successful 2023 planting season and having a conversation with, yeah, one of the most popular guys here at this huge equipment show. Live from the National Farm Machinery Show in fabulous Louisville, Kentucky, via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning we'll begin with a conversation with Ken Ferry from CropTech Consulting. Then it's Machinery Pete, Greg Peterson, and later, Rodney Hake from Great Plains, and we'll also talk with Tony Whisker. Right after the news, Greg Henderson from Drovers, I'm Handsome Newsman, Davis Michelson. Now, here's the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. All right, Davis, here we are, down in Louisville at the National Farm Machinery Show. A big thank you, big thank you to Great Plains for making our coverage from the National Farm Machinery Show possible down here. What... Dude, I'm telling you, yeah. what a, you know, we, we're all under a roof, and it's a good thing because it's raining like crazy out there. It okay. has been, like, all night. But the lot that Great Plains has set up down here in Louisville is fantastic. We've got tillage equipment. We've got uh, the the uh, uh, cedars. We've, I mean, it's, it's incredible, everything that we've got down here. Uh, looking right now at at this drill that I'm thinking, man, if I had that, I can get that thing into the timber if I had to, Ken, and go down and seed some food plots and stuff. It's absolutely fantastic uh, what we got going on down here. What is not fantastic, however, yeah, is the weather. The weather back home in Cedar Falls in, in, in northeast Iowa. It's looking a little rough there in eastern Iowa, man. Did you get any of it? Couldn't tell you what's happening in Cedar Falls, but uh, right now we're at 25 degrees and overcast, Ooh. and just just sort of wet. I yeah. wouldn't even. I don't even. I don't think we got any snow. Yeah. Uh, just kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which which is like ultra frigid here in the Midwestern subtropics at the <laughs> yeah, Southern Outpost. That's right. We, we may not survive outpost. the night. Yeah. Well, just good luck to you. Good we're luck hanging to you. On. I hope everything happens. Appreciate All right, that. buddy. Let's get to it. What do you got in the news? Well, Chip, consumer prices for wheat-based products were up substantially in 2022 compared to the year prior, as indicated by the Consumer Price Index. The increase outpaced the inflation rate in the broader all-food category, which was up 9.9%, more than double the average increase of the previous decade. The average price level across the cereals and bakery products category was up 13% in 2022, well above the previous year's increase of 2.3%. And more than three times as large as any year in the past decade. Yeah, boy, prices on everything and right in the spotlight for consumers uh, trying to do what whatever they can to stop from dipping into the into savings and and it, but it's getting tougher and tougher. Well, Chip, the Congressional Budget Office warned of a sharp deterioration in the federal budget and estimates the federal government will exhaust its ability to borrow more money 
and will be in danger of defaulting on the national debt at some point between July and September, a tighter timeline than has been signaled by the Treasury Department. Here's an interesting one, Chip. U.S. crude exports increasingly have been shaping global oil prices, as well as the financial instruments bought and sold by producers, refiners, and traders to avoid or capitalize on price swings. In June, a Texas-produced crude will be formally added to the Brent complex, and that's the global benchmark. Excellent, excellent. You know, the amount of trade that goes out of the U.S. on energy products into Europe right now, it's it, it's pretty phenomenal. Uh, we do need to make sure, however, that the domestic market is strong enough to keep that product here so that we've got enough diesel heading into the spring. We'll tip more than a week after a 150-car Norfolk Southern train left the track and sent chemicals into the air, ground, and creeks. Many people in and around East Palestine, Ohio, are concerned about contamination, distrustful of railroad and government officials, and frustrated by what one resident called a lack of clarity about the risks. Air and yeah. water monitoring continues, and many residents said they worry about being back in their homes. After the evacuation chip, I spoke briefly with Mike Steenhook from the Soy yeah. Transport Coalition yesterday about this. This is a big deal. Oh, it, it, it's a much bigger deal, and I hinted at this on Tuesday, caught up with a little bit more news on it yesterday, but this is a bigger deal than, than you know, mainstream media is letting on. This is, um, it needs federal attention. It needs Pete Buttigieg to to step forward and, and and at least inform the public what's going on here. Well, China has warned of retaliation over the downing of a balloon earlier this month, but the latest salvo in tension-filled U.S.-Sino relations is coming over arms sales to Taiwan. Beijing has impro imposed sanctions on Lockheed Martin and a subsidiary of Raytheon Technologies by adding them to a so-called unreliable entity list. This, as U.S. Ambassador to Japan, Rahm Emanuel, said the Chinese balloon's intrusion into the U.S. was part of a pattern of aggressive behavior by Beijing. Emanuel noted China's recent beaming of military-grade lasers on a Philippine Coast Guard patrol vessel, harassment of U.S. planes by Chinese jets, and China's opening of illegal police stations in the U.S., Ireland, and other countries. Yeah, you know, those lasers, they're kind of like what the, the way that I learned gun safety. Don't point a gun at anything unless you're intending to kill it. Indeed. Uh, those lasers, they shouldn't mm -hmm. point it at anything unless they're trying to start something. Well, and finally here, Walmart grocery shoppers in certain markets now have the option to have their orders delivered by drone. Chip, over <laughs> to you. Outstanding. All right, thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Greg Henderson, editorial director there at Grover's. How you doing, Greg? Good morning, Chip. A little uh, cool this morning. A little yeah. bit of ice on the ground here in Kansas City, but overall we're doing okay. All right. All right. Boy, I, I hope I can make it back into eastern Iowa tonight. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. But, okay, so tell me about gro consumer attitudes when they go into the grocery store. Is anything changing? Well, yes, it is. And, in fact, you've reported on inflation still a problem, yeah. right? But uh, in the retail meat department, we're seeing different uh, story. Now, retail meat's performing a little better than the economy overall. Food and beverages chip posted an inflation rate of 9.9% in January, which is still pretty high, except yeah. the meats category was at 2.2%, which is significantly lower than food and beverage and a giant improvement from January of last year when it was 14% chip. Yeah. 
So a monthly retail survey by 210 Analytics acknowledges consumers remain worried about inflation, but overall fresh meat sales declined about only about 1.7%, and the beef and chicken were the biggest contributors to okay. January fresh meat sales at $4.7 billion. So, okay. Chip, we know hamburgers are a big item, yep. and, uh, and, and the grind sales... Um, amounted to $1.1 billion of that sales, 84% of which was hamburgers. Now, Incredible. on a final note, Chip, the yep. plant meat-based category not <laughs> enjoying the same results as the real stuff. Plant-based really? meat sales, uh, both fresh and frozen, were down 22% in January. And on a 52-week cumulative measure, they were down 11%. So... The consumers are still after the real stuff. Absolutely. It seems like consumers have, if they were going to try the plant-based burgers and so on, they've tried them. They've and tried it. It, it, it that, sounds that, like That's over. Yeah, it sounds like more were disappointed than impressed by the product that they had in front of them. So, yeah, they're still chasing the real stuff. It's good. It's good. Thanks, Greg. All right, that is Greg Henderson, Editorial Director there at Drovers. We're going to be back at the Great Plains booth at the National Farm Machinery Show next. Ken Ferry. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. You suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag Agritalk. And welcome back to the 2023 National Farm Machinery Show. Big thank you to Great Plains for having us here. We're going to get into a conversation with Ken Ferry, the Farm Journal agronomist, here in just a moment. But first, let's make time for this industry spotlight. All right, joining us right now, Tony Whisker, VP of Sales and Marketing at Great Plains. Tony, welcome. Thanks, man. Thank you. Good morning, Chip. All right, move that mic just a touch closer there. Um, okay, so talk to me about this partnership with Bear Foreground. It's called what? What? What is it? Right. So, uh, this partnership with uh, Bear Foreground. So Foreground is Bear's name for their for their program. Okay. So. Uh, we've partnered with them uh, in this, and uh, Bayer has put together a list of tools uh, for the growers to use to, to help them uh, with profitability, help them learn about uh, soil health, mm -hmm. regenerative ag practices, carbon markets, and those things. Yeah. Uh, the sustainability kind of 
buzzwords today. Yeah. Uh, but but really, uh, that's not just uh, something new for Great Plains. The, uh, there's con. There's substance to what is happening uh, here, Tony. It's not just the buzzword anymore. It's it's. If you're not involved and if you haven't looked into getting involved in the regenerative, sustainable farming, you've yep. at least got to take a look. Absolutely. The, the foreground program from Bayer is no cost to the user. Yep. They can sign up for free and then have access to research and data and suggestions and information on how to get started. Yeah. How can they... How can they just dip their toe in and get going, or how can they dive in uh, full force? And, right. And, uh, you know, Great Plains has really lines up well with foreground for this because our vertical tillage story yeah. um, and our system for that is it's 20 years old now yeah. and more. And, and really, that's what it was built on. It was yeah. built on developing soil health developing stronger yields and building the profits for the for the farmer yep yep a big part of this cover crops got to have a good drill to put in the cover crops right that's right and that's uh, where this partnership is really getting started uh, with Bayer foreground is uh, through that program any of the users of uh, foreground have the opportunity for a $50 per foot discount on a Great Plains drill very nice. So, Very nice. So that's that's one of those tools that can really help them get started uh, in the in the cover crops and in that sustainability and yep. uh, build their soil back up. Absolutely. Good stuff, Tony. Thank you so much. Can learn more about it at greatplains.com? Greatplains.com and also uh, through the Bear website and for okay. foreground as well. Excellent. Stick around. We're going to talk to you more at the end of the show, okay? Sounds good. Thank All you. right. That is Tony Whisker, VP of sales and marketing at Great Plains. Joining us now, we've got Ken Ferry. Ken, how you doing, man? Doing good, Chip. Doing all right. All right. So, have you learned anything down here? I tell you, there's a lot of stuff to look at. Yeah. And some of it's just slight improvements in certain things. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, this show's always a, a good event for us to come down to and see what, you know, what's what? – going to be out there next year. Yeah, you hear about things that are in the pipeline at places like Great Plains, but until you actually get a chance to see it and, you know, visualize how it's going to work for you, sometimes it's a little difficult to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times down here you can get direct answers, you know, things that you maybe not be able to get off a website or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Uh, Heck of a nice rain in Louisville overnight. As a matter of fact, too much in some places where there's some flooding uh there's a lot of area across the midwest that would like to see this rain isn't there yeah definitely back home we'd like to see it yeah like to see some more tie lines running and some tricks flowing yeah so spring's almost here spring's almost here what are you doing to get ready you know we would encourage our our clients for instance this is we're getting close to game time so now's the time to put the finishing plans together meaning what's going to happen in each field when you're planning on it happening and Something that, that we run into is sometimes a great plan doesn't end up that way if not everybody in the farm operation knows it. So, And now's the time to review them, finalize them, and then make sure everybody that's on your team understands the plan. And that could be your seed supply guy. That could be your retailer who's going to take care of the herbicides and stuff. But when we run into snafus out there it's usually because somebody within the plan didn't understand it yep and uh, if you've taken time to choose hybrids for specific fields or 
uh, specific herbicide programs and stuff, everybody needs to know that yep. now going into it, have it on paper. Not that you can't change it, but the more people know about it, the less hiccups we get. And the right. more we have non-GMO crops where they didn't belong and things like that. Yep. So now's a good time before you get in the heat of battle to just lay out all those plans and then review it with everybody, make sure they understand it. Yeah, you're talking about mistake prevention. Yeah. You know, and with the way that input costs are this year, you don't want to make a mistake that you got to go back and redo later. Yeah, and in some of those plans, you know, uh, in our area, for instance, um, big move to planting soybeans early. Well, you just can't wake up, you know, April 10th and decide you're going to plant soybeans. Right. The, the, the land's got to be ready. The herbicide's got to be on. The seed treatment's got to be on. And all of a sudden you're scrambling the, that uh, right at kickoff to go get some of those things done that should have been done. And then you may miss that window and end up planting them in May anyway because yeah. you weren't ready. So um, prep now uh, go a long way to, to getting things done the way you want the plan to do. Yeah, because for soybean planting, though, that early swing... On soybean plantings, like you said, I mean, we're only like 40 days away from that. Right. That doesn't leave a lot of time to get ready. Right. And and getting ready means the seed needs to be not only in the shed, right? Yeah. But, but for us, it needs to be treated to handle the sudden death. Um, the ground needs to be leveled or, you know, in, in there was some of that happening in, in February. And, and probably if it doesn't pick up much more moisture, looking for that window in March to get a farm that's been tilled leveled. So you can roll, you know, with the bean planters when you want to. Gotcha. Gotcha. What do you make of it, the early planting on beans? For our research that we're doing, um, it's been one of the more consistent ways to bump bean yields. If I can not only get some nodes uh, out there that are more than normal and I can get it to flower pre-solstice. Comes with a certain amount of risk. So I say, how many beans should I plant early? And we say, whatever you can stand to replant because you don't know when you're going to get your first frost or last frost, I guess you would say, that, that would take it out, that type of thing. But over the last six, seven years, as we've worked with it, it's it's one way to move beans anywhere from five to ten bushel. Yeah. And moving beans five bushel is like moving heaven and earth. Exactly. So, um, you know, guys have done it and experienced it. Um, they're going to take that risk. Uh, so you'll see... For instance, in our trade territory, a large percentage of the beans will go in ahead of the corn, which yep. just 10 years ago, that would be unheard of. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's repetitive. It's not like it's a one-time hit going into something that's been corn on corn for the last 10 years, planting beans, knocking one out of the park. You yeah. get that one chance to knock it out of the park. Yeah. This repeats every year because yeah. of the sun. I, yeah, it it's, yeah. makes it, a lot of sense. You know, again, you have to think about your seed treatments, your herbicide yep. programs, that type of thing. And um, in a lot of cases, for instance, something that maybe the younger generation has kind of forgot about, but being ready with something as simple as a rotary hoe. So if these beans yep. spend three weeks in the ground, they may need a little help getting out. Exactly. Um, you know, in a situation where uh, um, anything you can do to, to kind of prep for it, Pick the field you want to do with it. Pick the hybrid you, or varieties you yep. want to do that with. Yep. Um, but it's been a, it's been something that's worked from Central Illinois all the way up into Canada. As we work with some of the Canadian yeah. growers up there, they're realizing the same thing. Now their early is different than our early. Yeah. Um, but as we go through yield maps this year, you can see it too. Um, but there has to be a difference, you know. So the yeah. beans planted the 26th or 7th of April this year came up May 9th. Our beans planted on May 9th came up May 11th. So yeah. there's there's really no difference, yeah. you know, in GDUs. But, um, but yeah. the beans that got planted the 12th of April, now they came up and, and they, they performed just like our other beans would be as far as being early. Wow. 
Fantastic. I got time to ask this question. What are you doing new this year? Well, uh, we threw the kitchen sink at Tar Spot last year yeah. because of the beating we took the year before. Um, and a scenario where we didn't have any tar spot, but we're going to definitely continue to step up to that one as far as look at not only products and timing, but also look at the complete four hours of fungicide. So um, different methods of application, you know, as far as uh, trying to manage that, whether we'll get tar spot or not, I don't know, but uh, indicating that in the areas this year where we had tar spot like Northeast Iowa, uh, there was some huge returns again to the fungicide and the double spraying and that type oh, of thing. Oh yeah, um, that we need to we need to spend some time there to say if, if that happens again, how are we going to fix that? Yeah, there, there were also plenty of guys that were wondering where the heck did that yield go because I know it was there in August. Yeah, I know it was there in September when the combine rolled. Yeah, it wasn't there. And and when with tar spot, when you see those big yield swings to a fungicide, it's almost always in kernel depth. Yep. So it means the last 30 days for today's hybrid means a lot more than it did for grandpa's hybrids. Right. And if you could keep that plant alive longer. Now, awesome. you can keep the plant alive longer and frost take it out, you're still yep. back to where you started. That's but, right. That's yeah. right. Good stuff, Ken. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. You bet. All right. That is Ken Ferry. He's the Farm Journal agronomist, Crop Tech Inc. Uh, hey, we are live at the National Farm Machinery Show. A big thank you again to Great Plains for making it possible for us to be down here. We've got Machinery Pete up next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. You know, we've got ProFarmer editor Brian Grady joining us now. You know, Beach, I will normally look at the markets and say, okay, there's a bias one way or the other, but I don't think you can say that this morning about the grains. What's going on? Yeah, pretty directionless, Chip. Uh, so we got soybeans, corn, uh, most of the soy meal market and SRW wheat uh, favoring the downside. Soy oil's trading higher, as is uh, HRW and, and spring wheat. So uh, just a kind of a directionless, varied tone, I guess, the best way to describe it. Not a whole lot of news out there. Uh, you know, Brazilian uh, crop estimate was cut by Agraal, but it's still projected to be a record. And, and so um, that was mildly supportive, I guess, at the start of daytime trade. We had a daily export sale. Uh, of soybeans to unknown destinations, so that was mildly supportive, but just not lasting buyer interest in here. Uh, the weekly export sales number for corn was solid at over a yeah. million tons again, um, but that's not generating much buyer interest in the corn market either. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I was looking for the soybean oil and the and the crude oil market to kind of connect again and trade in, in together, but they're not doing that. You got soybean meal to the, or excuse me, soybean oil slightly higher, and some losses in the crude oil market. Take us over to the livestock trade. What's going on? Well, uh, price pressure there, and, and uh, I'll start off with the uh, the hogs. So, uh, you know, we had the two days of really solid gains earlier in the week, uh, yep. backed off yesterday, and, and now we're under moderate pressure today. So I, I think the premiums that uh, the futures hold to the, uh, the cash index are, are limiting um, buyer interest at the moment, even though the cash index is climbing seasonally now. And then on the uh, cattle side of things, just waiting on cash trade to develop. Gotcha. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. AgriTalk. All right, welcome back to the National Farm Machinery Show down here in Louisville, Kentucky. Glad to be down here. Big thanks to Great Plains for making it possible for us to bring you coverage from the National Farm Machinery Show. All right, we broke him away. He just got off the stage not that long ago, but here he is, Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete. It's good to see you face-to-face and have a conversation, man. How are you? Well, back at you, buddy. Good to see you. I'm doing well. Uh, it's my first time here at the show in three years we had the year off and then i caught a little bug last year so it's fun to be back yeah yeah it's fantastic um so you had a seminar this morning talking about what's going on on the used machinery market yep it was uh what kind of reactions are you getting well i think people you know everyone's aware of the market and it's just I, i told the folks you know i've I'm not trying to be cute or whatever, but I literally run out of adjectives to describe the conditions. And uh, we just talked about the forces at work. I think the supply of used is still a main driving force. Uh, and it seemed like the audience, the availability factor was really resonating. We had guys asking about availability with combines, uh, a lot of questions on the supply of used on dealer lots, what we see happening there. So, yeah, people have just had to adjust to this reality that none of us frankly have ever seen before yeah how are they adjusting and i think the answer is going to be well but how are they adjusting to the new format of the auctions with so much online availability out there right now it's it's got to have them looking in they're not confined to their region anymore no no the point i try to make to the audience was just that uh you know whether you like it or not the power of it and I described, I was at, because it had been three years since I've been here, I showed, we did a little time machine exercise. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, walk with me back this spot, this show, three years ago. So right before, literally right before the pandemic hit, yeah. the income hadn't shot up yet in, in a country. That was fall of 20. So we were already starting to see, even then, a little bump. And that was just farmers needing to replace their equipment. But I, I told the audience about how March and April of 20, auction prices shot up when everything was shutting down auctions were going online and i I told the audience to me it was like we threw a big rope a lasso around the whole farm equipment market and just yanked it seven to ten years forward to begin to catch up a little bit to the auto side so now you know that click the button we all live on our phones the power of it so i shared a number of slides from down south 
that over the 33 years I've been tracking auction prices, there used to be, a, frankly, a large gap yeah. between what you know, where you are around Waterloo, Iowa, where I am, Rochester, Minnesota, and say, you know, fill in the blank, Mississippi or Alabama or yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. And now there's literally no difference. Right. And a big part of that is the on, like you say, the online. Your audience, your potential buyer pool is everywhere. Yeah. And when the when the market is so tight, uh, you know, I, sh I shared an example last Friday in Mississippi of a John Deere 8410 that went for 134,330 bucks, fourth highest ever, and it had like 4,500 hours on it, and it was in Mississippi. Yep. So that's it's a different world, and it's it's just about can I get my hands on it doesn't matter not where it is yeah the availability issue is as you said it, it's it's in there it's in everyone's mind right now that hey there it is it's available to me right now if I don't make it mine right I may not be able to get something later Everybody's dealing with a bigger platform now, a big, a bigger area to buy from, and the availability yeah. issue is still there, Greg. Yeah, it is, and it, you know, farmers are very savvy. They're smart, and you know, if you're buying, I mean, you obviously don't like the fact that uh, you're paying a double premium, but farmers realize that this is just the way it is now. Yeah. So, I know Big Iron had a sale, I think, two Wednesdays ago, where they sold an 8530 deer, 5,014 hours. Went for two hundred ten thousand two hundred fifty bucks, second highest price ever, and you go, whoa! With those hours, how did that happen? Yeah. But go to machinerypeat.com and, and shop for an eighty-five thirty, pre-emission, pre-tier four, and yeah. there's like there's like ten. Yeah. Nationwide. So if you want a really nice one, and just like you said, here it is today. If I click the bid button, <laughs> I can bring it home, and yeah. that's literally all that matters. So. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. So then the question is, when people are asking me now, well, when does that change? And this is a tricky part because, you know, everyone's looking ahead. You know, you try to batten down the hatches or whatever, get ready for when the market turns. And people, our whole experience in our past has been like, when that happens, use equipment values drop like a rock. It, times are tough, but hey, I can get a good deal on that planter, that tractor, that combine. But all I'm saying is, folks, look at the supply issue now on the dealer lots, and it's just not there. Yeah. So if things do turn, and my my gentle point is that, yes, used values will soften, but I don't think they're going to drop as much as people think they are. Okay. That inventory on the lot. If, if all of a sudden we can start putting new equipment out there, that oh, changes, changes the market. Changes everything. Yeah. And so... I had three little, uh, uh, I put them on the screen talking to the folks. It was like three things I'm, I'm watching. Um, and so one is the interest rate. We're starting to see some of the wholesalers of equipment and the, and the dealers, the carrying costs, because this late model use stuff is so expensive now. It's 300, a dealer might have 350000 in that four-wheel yeah. drive tractor. And if that sits on the lot and the interest rate keeps going up a quarter point, half a point, yeah. You know, they're starting to feel like, well, i got to move this thing. So that might create a little bit of downward pressure. Uh, and then, the, I don't know if you, you've probably been talking about it or tying on the U.S. Farm Report taping, but the whole China thing. Yeah. And I, I try to steer, steer clear of politics, but I showed a picture of the balloon being shot down, and I was like, I don't know if this is a metaphor for a bubble <laughs> bursting, but, you know, and hopefully uh, it won't get sideways in terms of exports and things like that. Right. But. The other piece, like you say, is on the new side. If the if the supply chain snafu starts to loosen all at once too much, 
that's in jeopardy for manufacturers and dealers because yeah. if that hits a lot right as the market turns that won't you know then things are obviously all bets are off then right right you know the other side of the or the other component that we need to consider here is what i talk about on the afternoon show all the time and that's the markets and the revenue potential mm. that guys are dealing with if that revenue if if that revenue starts to fall as is projected by USDA then I think that's got to take a little starch out of the market, too. Oh, absolutely. In fact, one of the things, we need to collaborate, Chip, because I need to get the corn charts and the soybean charts to put against my used machinery value yeah. charts. Yeah. Because they are going to, they are just, they're going to mirror. Right. And now the only thing different this time is we've never seen the back end with dealers having so little inventory. Yes. So that might soften the blow, but no question, whenever markets do turn, uh, yeah. The edge comes off for sure. Then the question is, <clears throat> how much does the edge come off? How far do we fall? And back in in uh, 13, 14, 15, it was it was 15 to 25 percent. We dropped late model used equipment values. That was a big drop. But dealers had way too much excess inventory then. Now there's fewer dealers. They're larger dealers. They have way less stuff. So to me, the recipe is different, and it's an open question how far we would fall. Okay, and I, I I'm not going to ask you to. Pre- Project, but I would will ask you to what are you watching for to suggest that we're on the other side of this super strong market? Well, uh, great question. So we're all looking for the canary in the coal mine, and yeah. I, I think that's why I started 33 years ago compiling the auction price because that, you know basically chatter doesn't matter. Right. Right now, where you put this thing up for sale, and it's like, oh, that's all for fifteen percent over what anyone thought. Yep. All that matters is the number. Right. And so, since December tenth, for example, we've started to see, and I talked about this in the seminar, the one to three year old used combines. They have softened, and dealers are starting to verbalize like, oh, okay, that might be an issue. So, the two things, you know, what did it sell for today? And the second thing is we have to watch, just like you said, the volume on the lot, new and used. When you start seeing that inventory visually go up, I'll guarantee you the auction prices will have already been ahead of that. Yep. Yep. And that's yep. why we, we make all this auction prices free. We want your listeners, Chip, to go machinerypeat.com. I had a guy ask me, said, Pete, I'm looking to buy a John Deere 8100 two-wheel drive after the seminar. He goes, it's got 3,000 hours. Guy's asking 75k. My gut tells me it's cheap. What do you think? And I said, you know, you looked at all the pictures, and I said, yeah, I think our numbers would confirm your gut. But confirm it. Yeah. Because these things are so wild now. Don't go just off your gut. Go look. Yep. Go punch up John Deere 8100 tractor prices. Filter by the highest price first, most recent, and you can look and see. Oh, one just sold for 82.5 or whatever. Yeah. And then you go, well, I'll write the check for 75 all day long at that point. Right. Right, exactly. All right. So what's caught your eye down here? Well, I love sitting here at Great Plains, our friends. I mean, we've got tillage and planting equipment, two of the hottest sectors. Yeah. So I see, we're sitting right in front of a, a 1006 NT drill, and then you got your high-speed tillage, and uh, those sectors have been hot. So been watching those, walking around the show. But i got to tell you, the one thing that caught my eye most, Yeah. people get on me about this, but I... I <laughs> posted a video yesterday the star of the show is that 1990 john deere 4455 they have in their display with 94 hours on it oh geez it's a barn find out of kentucky and i shot a little video on it yesterday but just the people 
gravitating around it. And Deere was very smart. They put it in front of their narrow transport planner to show you, hey, we can use an older tractor. But uh, people were asking me, what's that thing worth? And uh, yeah, I, I, that's because other, otherwise I look at all this new stuff and I go, oh, two, three years, what's that going to sell for on the auction? Because that's, I hope I'm around to find out. <laughs> I hope. That's exactly right. Exactly right. You know, it used to be the brand new piece of equipment on the farm was the showpiece. Yeah, I mean that that was what everybody focused on. But when you find that barn find yep. where it's a hidden piece that's got twenty years on it with low hours, that's the thing that really gets guys well, going. Well even now it doesn't yep. it doesn't have to be a barn find, just a nice older one people love. So Exactly. Greg, it's great to see you, man. Thank you so much. Uh, you bet. Thanks, Joe. All right, that's Greg Peterson. You should know him as Machinery Pete. We are at the 2023 National Farm Machinery Show. Thanks to Great Plains. We'll be back right after this message. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. <laughs> the chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us. We're live at the 2023 National Farm Machinery Show. Big thank you to Great Plains for making it possible to bring you coverage. Uh, with that in mind, let's go ahead and make time for this industry spotlight. All right, Tony Whisker, VP of Sales and Marketing at Great Plains, is back with us. And now we've got Rodney Hake, the Great Plains Engineering Manager, with us as well. Rodney, welcome. Thank you. Tony, glad you're back. Uh, okay, so forever, Great Plains was known for the drills and for the tillage equipment. And it continues. I mean, you, you look around the, the lot here. Obviously, it's still very much a focus, Tony. Yeah, we've got everything represented here today. Yeah, from from the drills, you know, six feet to to thirty feet here, and and the tillage equipment, uh, your conventional till. We've we've got our hybrid tillage, we've got our vertical tillage, all yep. represented. So, yep. Okay, so let, let's talk about the vertical tillage here, Rodney. Um, it, it seems. Like that's a tough spot or tough space to really show that much innovation, but boy, there are some changes that have happened on those the, on the equipment over the years, isn't there? There really has been. You know, uh, the original turbo till, which yeah. was launched back in two thousand and three. You know, but as the farming practices changed, people decided. You know, that was originally just designed for a spring 
tool to get out there, warm the soils up, make a really nice seed bed, get that corn to emerge evenly all the way across the field. Sold a lot of them, and but then the guy said, well, maybe I'll use that in the fall too. And so as they started going, okay, I want to run my turbo till spring and fall, and uh, they in the right year, when they had enough moisture in the fall, that worked real well. Uh, but then there was times when that ground got real hard and it got yep. real dry and it got hard to penetrate and so it did not work as well. And so what do we get what do we gotta do next? We gotta make it a little more aggressive. And so mm -hmm. in two thousand and ten we came out to Turbo Max where we got the adjustable gang angle so we was able to keep the true vertical tillage with zero degree gang angle. Okay. But then in the fall, if a guy wanted something to go in there and be a little more aggressive to get it in the soils and get it to penetrate and bury a little more of that residue. Yep kick it over to the six degrees get it to penetrate and do that and obviously that's been a staple in the in the market uh, ever since 2010 right right you you mentioned something here and i'm just going to talk about this that that residue management tony has become as important a piece of the puzzle of as anything else out there and your tillage equipment can help you with that that's right. The residue management, especially as, as yields increase and the, the crops become harder to break down, uh, we need to get it sized. We need to get uh, some dirt on it uh, to help it, uh, help it break down in the fall. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Rodney, tell me about the VT1100 Turbo Max. What ex how, it, it, how is that different? Okay. So what we did with the VT Turbo Max is, is uh, you know, a, a couple years ago, 2020, we launched the, the HT, the hybrid tillage version. Okay. And essentially, a little bit more aggressive yet. So for, for those guys that really like that fall and, and, and working and want to be able to kill a few more weeds and, and do mm -hmm. some, they wanted to be a little more aggressive mm -hmm. yet. And, and address so, the residue a little bit more. Exactly. Bury even a even more, more Even more residue management. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So we came out with that version. And... Uh, and what was nice about it was we had some new features on the back of that. And some of the guys saw some of that and said, hey, you know what? I'd like to have that double reel on the back of my, my TurboMax. And uh, so it's okay. Well, we can't quite do that with your existing machine, but uh, we'll take a look at that. And so the new VT is kind of the, the next one. Okay, these guys want to keep that vertical tillage tool. So we're not giving up that zero-degree gang angle, not that 50-50 that cutout yep. with the blade. So we can keep size that residue. Keep the straight blades, but we said oh, we got an opportunity here to kind of enhance what we got. So uh, we we came out with the double reels on the back of it. Uh, we came out with a new chopper assembly in, in place of the rolling harrow. There's a few instances where we've had to request for being able to chop some where we had viney crops or we had things that were wrapping on the rolling harrow yeah, style. Yeah. Well, by using the choppers, the choppers tend to if you're running it in the fall, it'll tend to pin, pin the residue a little better than what the rolling okay. harrows did. And then while we were at it, we said, hey, some of these guys want a bigger, heavier blade. We went to the 22-inch blade option, too. So we've yeah. got the 20s, which are a staple. And then we also got a bigger 22-inch blade option. Yeah. On yeah. So lots of nice features. But we still kept the stuff that we couldn't get away from. And that's the, the, the straight being able to run perfectly. You know, so we got the vertical tillage. vertical tillage. See, there, there are guys out there that think they're doing vertical tillage that aren't doing vertical yeah, tillage, absolutely, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So for those guys, explain what the difference is. <laughs> okay. I mean, anytime you're running any kind of a, a concave blade at any kind of an angle, you are starting to. And we even did this with our Terramax. Had, a, had, had Ken Ferry actually yep. do some tests for us. 
and and he tested and once we got above that three or four degrees we were starting to see that that layer that you tend to put in there in the soil with with that type of tool so any of these that are running 15 degree gang angle or some of them and saying we're vertical they're not right they do a nice job of residue management they do sizes you know and they do leave a pretty good surface but they are causing some problems underneath the surface and we want to maintain that in fact we visited with Ken yesterday a little bit, and we was curious whether he had any recent data showing that the vertical tillage is still out there. And he says over the last three years on some independent studies he's done, he's still showing a 10 to, to 12 bushel yield advantage. So. Wow. Wow, that's huge. And for the guys that are looking for a way to kind of ease into their sustainable farming practices, Tony, yep. what a great way to do it. Yep, that's the bare foreground program we talked about yep. earlier, Chip. This, the vertical tillage is is a way to to get into that sustainability. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Tony, real quick, we've only got about forty seconds left here. What what's the chatter here uh, in the booth? Uh, the the traffic here yesterday and today both have this been is phenomenal. Yeah, we we're just packed here and. Uh, we're talking to, about this VT1100 a lot. We're Good. getting a lot of questions on our drills and cover crops, uh, a lot of interest in the turbo seeder. Yeah. Uh, again, for cover crops, that's, that's a lot Excellent. of the chatter. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you guys for making it possible for AgriTalk to come down here and uh, uh, bring some coverage from the National Farm Machinery Show. Really appreciate you guys, all right? No we appreciate you. you. Thank you. All right, excellent. That is Tony Whisker, VP of Sales and Marketing at Great Plains, and Rodney Hake. He is the Great Plains Engineering Manager. All right, we've got the coverage continuing for you this afternoon. you got to come back. We're going to talk with Alan Hoskins from American Farm Mortgage and Andrew Jackson from Producers Hedge right here on AgriTalk.